This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the rent. Barreling down I 35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space, leave that. Hey there, here we are again on the other side. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson, coming to uh, the end of a week, so I'm gonna pour me some Topo Chico. I drink Topo Chico all the time. Uh, as we go along on the program, 806-745-5800, if you have ideas of how I can get a Topo Chico dispenser in my house, uh, maybe I could set up a GoFundMe. Uh, you all could help. Uh, I'd be mighty obliged. Your host, Jay West, Texas Leeson, broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios here in Lubbock, where the clouds have dissipated, pretty sunny outside, which means it's time to go get a good wash. Stop into one of five convenient locations across this hub city for the best wash around, guaranteed. They're at racerwash.com, where you can find the location best for you, 806-745-5800. If you want to be a part of this program, 806-745-5800, you're listening to it live time. You keep them clean, I can read them. If this were just a straight podcast, then I would read whatever you sent, so long as it was good content. Uh, but FCC being what FCC is, uh, I've already had to learn that. Well, didn't really learn the lesson, but that's a story. Well, I'll go ahead and tell it. I went in, um, I, I called into another program that some folks might might be familiar with here in Lubbock. And um, we called in from this program at the same time. They raised Kane, uh, they being folks who are usually pretty anti-government, but called on the feds to help them solve their problem. And uh, they didn't have much of a case, but we did have to pay some lawyer fees. And uh, they stopped whining about it. Because, well, okay, that really is a story for another program. We're going to be all over the place today. Going to get in with our friend Steve, Mr. Cotton Barrett. Uh, Plains Cotton Growers in Lubbock talk to him about why it's important that tomorrow's the cotton game. Maybe get into the politics of why in the hell cakes we aren't wearing white tomorrow at Jones Stadium uh, to celebrate cotton. And our friend Brandon Darby, whenever he moseys in, he's just going to mosey in whenever he moseys in, then he'll be a part of the program. We've got Wes Rappaport, Rappaport Reports, big tropical storm. Or maybe not a big... We're going to check in with him. It's supposed to hit about this time. And maybe we'll get a good uh, good bit with Wes Rappaport about you know, 
how like weatherman on the scenes and that'll be a lot of fun get into a couple of things today something that has caught my eye is uh regent gate and we've got some leads going to be working on that over the weekend and you're going to have plenty next week on this program about what's going on in regent gate uh, can it get worse yes it can and we're on to a couple of leads right now about that uh one region apparently having his own Rager Gate experience, one of the five. And we'll talk about that more next week, just to throw that little hook out. But for now, we need to get into a little bit of Rager Gate. Dateline, Lubbock, Texas, KCBD. Shaley Sanders, Bart Rager has responded to the 40 plus million dollar lawsuit filed by Ford Motor Credit. Have some pacer work to do, by the way. I'll figure some of this stuff out. Rager's response varies dramatically from Rick Dykes's response. Dykes, who claimed that former CFO, Chief Financial Officer Shane Smith, uh, was providing false financial information to Ford Motor Credit himself and Rager instead Rager's response barely mentions Smith, only confirms him as a CFO. And uh, in Rager's defense to the lawsuit, he claims Ford Motor Credit's claims are barred because of a, quote, failure to exercise ordinary care. A failure by Ford to exercise ordinary care. And because of un clean hands, uh, quote-unquote, unclean hands. So that's what Bart has to say on that. My mind is right, mother... Uh, failure to exercise ordinary care and unclean hands. So essentially what we have here, got Brandon Darby, Breitbart, Texas, uh, sitting in studio with us. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Doing you, great. Got, you got any commentary as we roll along in this? So. Well, I got a little breaking news. I, um, I'm hearing, just through the grapevine, that that uh, Mueller, the FBI director, that that this whole Ragergate thing has something to do with Russia and Trump and the election. I'm just joking. Just joking. Just joking. Just saying, it's kind of like Lubbock's own little, little Mueller probe, you know, <clears throat> going on here. Have you heard that or not? No. Because... It up for you, <laughs> Bob Mueller. Is it Mueller or Mueller? Uh, Mueller, Mueller. No, it's kind of weird. Like it, it's uh, a lot of a lot of in, in the, my past and my history, a lot of FBI agents always called him Mueller, which I thought was weird. Yeah. But no one else calls him that. So yeah. Uh, so essentially, what we have here, just to break this down, get into a break. No, but sir, this is. I'm just saying, from someone who deals with global issues all the time. This Yourself. Is some, yeah, this is some hot stuff in Lubbock. Yeah. This is some, I mean, this is some serious drama it's going on. Controversy this is central. Greek tragedy-esque, you know. This is on that level. This is on, you know, like Ed Tu Brute stuff going on here, man. Well, um, to quote the Texas Tech fight song, it seems to me that uh, we'll hit them high. Bart Rager is going to hit Ford and say somebody was inside. And I think that's a pretty good claim. Obviously, somebody was helping move these vehicles and, and I'm from not the I'm not attributing any guilt to Bart Rager but isn't that kind of like saying well I'm being accused of stealing that person's stuff out of their car but they had their window down 
or they handed it to me. You know, or or their 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 drug addict son like uh, told me how to break in. Mm-hmm. The so hit him high, Bart at Ford, and then hit him low is uh, Rick Dykes hitting Shane Smith, saying the CFO. It was the CFO. Uh, so it seems to be an interesting strategy. It seems like a strategy. One so, so I don't one would, would logically would, deduce a strategy. So would, is that basically Rager and Dykes claiming that? They're claiming like they're like, hey, we told the guy. I don't know how you're making so much money, but we don't care. Is yeah, that what and they're see, claiming? that's the question. The I don't. I don't believe that. So his argument is basically that he's a blind idiot, and and got taken advantage of, and this guy took advantage of him by making him much more percentage on his investment than he otherwise should have made. Yeah. Well, that's his. I, I mean, mean, really think about the argument. You know what's so weird? Because I haven't always lived here. Where do you live? And um. Moving here, what I've been impressed by is that people in Lubbock, you know, like you always say, people who are the ancestors here lived in holes in the ground and yeah. fought off Comanches. Like, there's some smart, shrewd people. And somebody would have to be an idiot to think that people in Lubbock are going to buy what that guy's saying. It just doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's true, but it just seems like there's some real strange arguments going on here. You know what it seems like to me? It seems like all of a sudden he's coming across as an even bigger idiot and it almost seems like like he used to have a good lawyer and now he has a bad lawyer or something wow i'm That's, just saying this is that segue we're supposed to do I, a commercial i can, I can kind of see <laughs> what you said there but whenever it comes to uh you know i've, I've talked with people inside the industry and whenever you know that you're going to get audited by your big floor planner it is a practice across the company that everybody's involved. We got to go find all these borrowed vehicle agreements. Where are the vehicles? And everybody's involved at that point. That that car, that vehicle, that truck was borrowed out by X. And then Ford or whoever will go and check in and make sure that those vehicles are where they say that they are. And if Bart Rager's argument is, well, they didn't do a good enough job of checking where our BVAs were. Uh, I don't know how much of an argument that really is. Uh, somebody's got some good arguments to make is our friend Steve Verrett. Uh, Mr. Cotton going to catch a quick break here and get in with Steve Verrett here on the other side of the other side. Stick right where you are. All I know is you gotta keep trying. You gotta let them down and you keep trying. The only sure thing is taxes and dying. And your love makes a living worthwhile. Start AM 580. Thanks for riding along with us. The other side of Texas is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen, Horton, Brown, LLP, with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, and employment law. Oh, and estate planning. Mullen, Horton, and Brown. Go to our friend now, longtime friend, uh, Mr. Steve Verrett, Plains Cotton Growers. I just want to say uh, before he starts, I'm really honored to be here today in studio uh, and that Steve has agreed to do his own rendition of the national anthem. <laughs> All right. Oh, really? 
<laughs> Go for it. Is that a thing? No. You're going to play your saxophone? Yeah. Uh, so for folks who are not familiar with you, whoever those three people are in the listening audience, uh, Steve Red or Plains Cotton Growers, tell us what you do, and uh, we'll get into why you do it. I work for Plains Cotton Growers, That's and that's a growers uh, association, cotton grower association for 41 counties around Lubbock, Texas. Uh, that 41 counties typically produces 60 to 65 percent of the cotton grown in the state, about 25 to 30 percent of the cotton grown in the U.S. And if just the high plains of Texas was considered a cotton growing country, it'd be the fourth or fifth largest cotton growing con- country in the world. Yeah, man. So. It's pretty big business. So they need some representation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's and right. You know your way in and around D.C. Uh, Do you know your way around Austin? Not as well, but I've got... But you know it. Oh, yeah. So are you a candidate for chancellor at Texas Tech University? <laughs> Let me say, neither shall I seek, nor will I run for the office of chancellor of Texas Tech University. That means University. he's running. That's what that means. <laughs> no. <laughs> you didn't say that you would... You would decline. not. You, you would decline if. Hashtag draft Verrett. No. Breaking news. That's no. right. No. Okay. But the headline on that would be, Verrett refuses to deny. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Steve Verrett, tell us tomorrow's the Cotton yeah. Game at Texas Tech. A time. How long have we been doing this? This will be the seventh year. Yeah. Why weren't we doing this thirty years ago? Well. That's a good question, but, you know, I choose to always say, thank goodness we're doing it now. And so it's, uh, people have asked me a lot of times, you know, how did this come about? You know, why do we do it? Well, you know, it came about as just kind of a germ of an idea of a few people that said, you know, just what I said about how much cotton we grow, how how big a part of the business is here. You know, we need to have some recognition of that. And it's a natural thing. You know, when you talk about uh, cotton farmers and football and Texas Tech, they just go together. No. And so uh, when this was pitched to Texas Tech Athletics, uh, they didn't need a whole lot of convincing about it and really come on board really quickly. And uh, it's just it's been a great success. We believe it's been a great success, and I think Texas Tech Athletics would say the same thing. Yeah. So, so uh, a couple of things here as we delve in. Number one, are Darby not going to get shirts? You're wearing a nice Columbia cotton. You got your PCG logo, and then you got the That's cotton pretty, that game. That is pretty on fancy. That's pretty fancy. I mean, are we going to get one of those? Or You know, I felt really bad when I pulled up. I thought I just left the – oh, I just thought about it. I do have some of the Celebrate Cotton – T-shirts in the back of my pickup. I forgot, thought I left them all at the office, but I have some, and I will give you one of those. Not one of these, cotton. but I'll give you a Celebrate Cotton T-shirt. You got six of those? Yeah. For little kids? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I'm wanting to go buy some cotton towels and cotton undershirts just yeah. from being around him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, seriously. It's just no, no, no I'm going to tell you why, man. though. I'm going to tell you why, because that shirt is so white. Yeah. It is so white, and you don't realize it. And now looking at his white and my white stuff, I'm like, you know, I need some new cotton. <laughs> I need some new new material. Well, speaking of white, uh, 
were you privy? When were you made aware? So get this, Darby and listeners who missed the show yesterday, Chris Level, RedRaiderSports.com, mm-hmm. comes on with us right. on Thursdays and breaks down the game to come, preview the game to come. And te- traditionally, the away team in college football wears a lighter jersey, mm-hmm. sometimes white. Right. And Tech makes a request for the Cotton game that Cotton is white, as you just pointed out for everybody there, Darby. Thank you. That we want to wear white at this game. Can you wear dark? Major Applewhite, the head coach of Houston, says, yeah, no. We're going to wear white tomorrow. <laughs> like in a total bleep move. Says, no, we are not going to. We're going to wear white tomorrow. When were you made aware that we aren't going to wear cotton white tomorrow. Well, we actually knew about it probably three months ago. Uh, and, you know, it's, it has been tradition for it to be a whiteout. And it is still technically uh, considered a whiteout game for the fans, or they're asking fans to wear white. Mm-hmm. And we would like for them to do that. The main thing, though, is to wear cotton. But uh, we were made aware of this, and, you know, uh, I don't know what the team is planning on wearing tomorrow. Maybe they'll have white pants and red jerseys. So uh, it was kind of. I think it, you could do it. I think y'all could a, both wear white, and they're going to end up with the, the they're going to end up with a lot of stains and dirt on their uniforms. So I think that both teams by the could time. wear by, both teams could wear white because <laughs> they theirs won't be white very long. Yeah. Oh. Just saying. You know we're we're a three point dog tomorrow. Just oh. saying. Um. So let's get into trying to be positive. I've said to you before, and by the way, if he's listening, I've thrown Tom Sell, mm-hmm. I've thrown Clay Sell, I'm throwing everybody. Darby, why don't you also consider being the next chancellor at Texas Tech University if Ted Mitchell uh, wants to take a pay cut? Brother, I'm gonna be honest with you. I look at that job now that I saw how you know what I feel like? I feel like if I were if I were in that position. I would have a really hard time and I wouldn't last because I would probably start to feel like most of the people uh, I had to answer to really were looking out for A&M. You know, that's what I would feel like. <laughs> that's what I would feel like. And I would have a hard time. And then they'd, 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 and then some guy from Midland would, or from somewhere, whoever, wherever he lives, would tweet out that there was some financial impropriety, which would turn out not to be true, and he'd never say sorry. No. And then, you know, I'd be sitting there quiet, really mad, angry that, because I just I couldn't exist in that environment. Like, you know, I wouldn't mind it if 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 the folks that that I had to answer to or deal with were, um, you know, were from here or something or lived here. But I would have a really hard time dealing with a bunch of A and M loyalists telling me what to do for yeah. Texas Tech, and I, I don't think I would that would work for me. This aggression will not stand, man. No, but but really, like you look at what Kavanaugh is going through in the Supreme Court right now and the dirty stuff that. You know, we just had a, a really prominent left of center, and I'm not knocking left and right. I'm not going there. I'm just I, – I call out right of center groups too. Um, we had a prominent left of center uh, website published, you know, kind of say maybe Kavanaugh's a sex offender. Maybe he's not. And then they published a picture of him holding a little girl's shoulders, and it turned out to be his own daughter. And that's the photo they used on this. I mean, that kind of dirty mm-hmm. politics. And, and what happened at Tech didn't get into that that level of of the Supreme Court issue, but it's just that same kind of dirtiness, and I don't want, the older I get, man, and the older my child gets, and that, you know, 
I figure my daughter's 10. I have about eight more years before she starts wanting to leave or something. And I just don't want to spend the next eight years being around a bunch of dirty people like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and whoever, whoever does it next and whoever takes that position, God bless them. Um, and, and I admire that, they, that they're willing to associate with such corrupted people, like apparently corrupted people who, are, who do dirty business behind the doors and, and allow people to get smeared. I don't want to be in that situation for the next eight years of my life. So I'll just pass on that. So no chancellorship for Brandon I, I, Darby. I there you go. unequivocally tell you that's not happening. Uh, real quickly, I want to get into what my son calls, my four-year-old calls farmer harmer. <laughs> but... Um, if you can, you've worked with, through Plains Cotton Growers, you've worked with Bob Duncan for some time on a lot of different lists mm-hmm. in the House, Texas House, Texas mm-hmm. Senate, and then Chancellor at, at, at Tech. Uh, your, what were your thoughts on August 13th? I, I want to apologize. I just realized the situation. I just put you in saying what I just had to say when you're doing the game. I didn't mean it in that way. No, he just, can deflate. Yeah, you. okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry He's made about the that. Velcro. I mean, I mean <laughs> cotton. Teflon. Cotton. He made a cotton. Uh, but what were your thoughts? Because well, I can tell you this. And I was telling somebody today, when I found out before I broke the news, I was standing right here, right beside where Brandon Darby is sitting in the studio. And I had my phone. I set my phone down and looked at the ceiling and yelled the SH word very loud. I mean, that was my initial reaction was, are you kidding me? Uh, well, that's your... the same reaction I had when I when you broke the news about the deal. You know, I've known, I've worked with Bob Duncan for many years and been in, in, in the trenches with him on, on tough issues. And uh, stood against them sometimes. Absolutely. That's what I was going to get to. Bow weevil eradication, we were, you know, he, that was a tough issue here. And uh, we stood with him. Water issues water, yeah. have been tough issues. And we've disagreed on water issues. But the fact of the matter, nobody has ever been able to say that Bob Duncan was not a man of integrity and honesty. And so, you know, I was I was totally surprised uh uh, when I heard that, and so you know, I I, I do want I can kind of throw and this. And then in. it came with some sort of the initial claim of uh, fiscal misappropriation. Oh yeah, yeah, financial I, misappropriation. You know, yeah, I I knew that wasn't right. No. Uh, so the thing about the the thing I've taken away from this is it, it kind of it does tie in about the cotton game in my mind is. The recognition of the importance to this university and the importance of the region to this university. It's a very symbiotic relationship, and it's not just cotton. It's all of agriculture, and it's what you talk about, about your place. And there are many people that... uh, that come to this university and are graduates of this university and they love this university, but they don't understand what its role is in this place. This university could be anywhere as far as they're concerned. And I don't mean that derogatory. That's just the way it is. If you're not, if you didn't li- if you didn't grow up here, you don't have to have grown up here, but if you haven't lived here long enough to understand 
the relationship of how intertwined everything is here mm -hmm. and the role that this university plays in this economy, this region's economy, and vice versa, you just don't get it. And that's what part of the problem has been. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why we celebrate, and that's why uh, this game is a celebration of that relationship between the cotton industry and Texas Tech University. Hmm. And athletics is just a way to help provide that that format for celebrating them. Yeah. Uh, sitting here with co-host Brandon Darby and Steve Verrett, Plains Cotton Growers. My uh, <clears throat> four-year-old really likes uh, – it's – he calls it Farmer Harmer, which I laugh because in a lot of ways it does harm farmers, Under Armour gear. I've never correct him. He still calls it that. He calls it his smush, his smush mellows. That makes a lot of sense <laughs> to him. His sister really likes grilled cheese, so he calls it girl cheese, but he calls Under Armour Farmer Harmer. Farmer Harmer. So tomorrow, folks need to wear cotton to the game. But give a little insight into what to the mainline typical cotton farmer. What is all this walking around in yoga pants and wearing uh, Under Armour and things that are made up of oil that will absolutely consume by a campfire? By the way, uh, what is what is? Oh, you better see what happens if you're in a, on a motorcycle and you hit the pavement wearing synthetics. <laughs> It like it's horrible. It, it gets in your skin and it yeah. bleeds. Uh, I'm not knocking synthetics. I'm just saying it. it it's there are definitely places I where I don't want to wear clothes made of gasoline. Yeah, <clears throat> but I'm just saying there's some problems with synthetics. Yeah. yeah, I mean I was at the camp out in the eighth grade. I still feel bad. Sorry, Chris Barton, if you're listening, and uh, put uh, his sleeping bag wound up in the fire. And I put it under his rear end, thinking it'd be funny to put a fire under his rear end, but it burned into his skin. So, you know, we're just doing the PSAs here on clothes made of gasoline and whatever. But uh, why is it important for folks to maybe go buy some cotton tomorrow well, instead that, that, of wearing That is part of what this is about, product. too, and that's what we talk about. You know, at the end of the day, we'd like for people to wear white, but the main thing is to wear cotton, try to find some cotton to wear. And that's how you can celebrate and support and i've you know i've made these same speeches at my own board meeting with farmers in the room and i said you know that you know i don't want to hear from any any farmer that talks about the price of cotton and what do we need to do about it and you're standing there in an under armor totally synthetic shirt and i'm not just picking on under armor nike makes them you know mm -hmm. adidas makes them you know, the whole deal. And one thing at least about Under Armour, they did come around here several years ago and they come up with this uh, uh, charge cotton, which is is a cotton with a treatment that makes it breathe a little better and, and it has a little bit of elastane or lycra or something, but it's like 96% cotton. But anyway, the point is, we we got to support our own product is what we got to do, and that's what we try to encourage so folks to do. So you have people like standing at the gates, Plains Cotton Growers, people who are yelling, shame, shame. <laughs> no, we're not going to. People walk into the game. We're not going to do that. But uh, anyway, we just try to point that out to folks. I do. I think I'm wearing all cotton except for my boots and my belt. I try to do it when you come in studio. Yeah. Just in, is, it, is it rude if I bring up politics at all? No. Not at all? No. How's our house rep doing for cotton? 
are in the Congress. Yeah. He's doing great. Jody. Yeah, he's doing really good. I mean, he's engaged. You know, he, he sometimes moves too fast. Well, he let, let me tell you something. Because he's so jacked up. About well, yeah, and I mean, it's a little bit like what Cotton I've always Jody. said. Does he uh, deserve that name, Cotton Eye Jody? Yeah, yeah, he does. He likes that name. <laughs> well, he should and he like should. it in this region. Yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. So, no, you know, Jody is. I want somebody that has the passion. You know, anybody that's been around me knows that that's kind of the way I am. And I won't, I'd, I'd lot rather have somebody with the passion, and you might have to be pulling back a little bit, saying, hey, whoa, wait just a minute here. Let's kind of record order a little bit. Yeah. As opposed to somebody that you got to be, you know, with the cattle prod to move. It's almost like y'all have experienced that before <laughs> in this reason. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, anyway, that's he's great. doing a great job. So he's honoring his word with Connor. Yeah, he is. He's honoring what he said he would do. You know, that's been my experience with him on the border. Yeah, uh, I, my experience has been that he's honored his word too. Now let's talk about something, if I may. Let's talk about China. Let's talk about Trump. How's that? How's that working out? Well, Jay knows he and I visited about this before. That you know, from a trade perspective, and from the what they're trying to do to improve trade agreements and make them better it's music to my guys ears you know we feel like that uh, all we've talked about lots of times in the cotton industry over the last 10 years or so is how we're getting you know the the shaft from china and everything they're doing whether it's in their support program for their growers or their textile mills or whatever it may be and so why, why wouldn't we uh, welcome uh, an administration that says, hey, we, we need a better deal than what we've been getting? And specifically to China, that's what, you know, when they were let come into, when they were allowed to come into the WTO, there was a certain amount of things they were supposed to do. And they haven't done them. But yet we basically disarmed, we dismantled our textile industry because of, of what was allowed through WTO, but yet China still hasn't fulfilled all of their agreements. So long, long explanation, but short run, basically saying we appreciate what they're trying to do to get a better deal. Now, ultimately, uh, you know, I got to tell you, you know, the market is pretty nervous about a lot of the stuff going on right now. So they need to get a win. You know, I'm hopeful that they can get something done on this Mexico and, and, uh, Canadian agreement and then but the the China deal is going to be a tough deal it's going to be a tough nut to crack but we appreciate what they've done at least they're trying in that regard now I'm going to bring up something kind of maybe controversial and I, I'm not going to I'm not trying to be at all I just I'm very curious and I'm sure some some listeners are uh, when it comes to like immigration and ICE and immigration enforcement uh, usually when I see someone working on cotton I see a, a man out there on a machine, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't see a, a, a lot of other workers. Uh, has immigration enforcement, uh, increased immigration enforcement affected um, cotton industry as it has, like, say, like some of the dairy guys yeah. who are very pro-border yeah. security, very pro-law, but they're like, hey, I got a problem, you know? Yeah, like, there, no there's a problem here. Has that affected cotton much? I, I would say probably less on the farm, certainly in the cotton ginning business it has. Uh, you know, that's the, the farm is more mechanized now. Yeah. And and 
And plus, you know, where you have a seasonal group of workers like cotton ginning, you know, it's it's more difficult to find people to, to do that work. So, yeah, it, it is a concern in that regard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was just curious about it. I, You know, I, it seems like so many people are making comments and statements that are both true and untrue. You know, someone says, well, you know, farmers are hurt by by the immigration crackdown. It's like, well, that's probably not true for all farmers, right? It's yeah. probably, it's probably, um, it's probably really not true for extremely small, like family farmers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but true for the industry. But true for the maybe the industry or the yeah. larger titans who need more more hands or something. Yeah. Well, and, and and the fact of the matter is, you know, there there's still a lot of work that has to take place in in agriculture that a lot of p folks don't want to do. I mean, they just, you know, there's not many people uh, raising their children to grow up to milk cows or to, quite honestly, you know, maybe even be a farm employee. It, it, it is, it's changed somewhat because, you know, there's less than what we've, than we've, what we've had to have in the past. And it's become certainly much more mechanized and much more technical as well. I mean, as far as just operating the equipment, so it's taking people with more skills, and 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 the employees on the farm are typically year-round employees now. There are, they do hire some seasonal help uh, that does play into some of this on the immigration side that has probably tightened those things up some. But it's not as much on the farm as it is, like the dairy industry that you mentioned, and uh, the cotton ginning industry as well. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, Steve Rett, we're going to go another 20 minutes. You're welcome to stick here with us. Please if do. You want to. Please stay with us. Uh, we're also got Wes Rappaport. One of my, uh, look, in 30 years, Wes Rappaport will be a name that a lot of Texans know. For now, he's just Rappaport Reports. He's down covering the tropical storm that's hitting South Texas. We are going to touch base Good. with Re Wes Rappaport coming up. Stick right where you are. More other side of Texas. Get into some of your stuff, Darby, whenever we come up. Okay, after the Sounds break. like a plan. And we're going to make out of this with some good T-shirts. This is going to be pretty yeah. great. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Right. Cotton, cotton T-shirts. Yep. Have a little falling out. A couple of minutes. Great sponsors. Listen to it. We'll be right back with you here on the other side. Welcome back in. If you could hear what we talk about, maybe like a subscription service of like $1,000 a month. <laughs> if you could hear what we talk about during the breaks on this program, this t segment brought to you by Title One, Lubbock's Digital Real Estate and Title Escrow Company. Title One is committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. See why my wife... A Lubbock, Hub City, Caprock, renowned realtor, loves Title One to serve your realty, consumer, and lending needs. Check out TitleOne.com. Uh, Brandon Darby, Breitbart, Texas. We're going to get our friend Wes Rappaport reports uh, in, in about five minutes down from the Texas coast where tropical storm is hitting. First-hand account from Wes coming up. Uh but to throw things up, and Steve Red's still in the studio. 
what are some things you've been thinking about, bud, and things that uh, folks can go check out at Breitbart, Texas? Um, well, I'm doing crazy stuff, uh, insane crazy stuff that, that half of which I talk about and half of which I won't. But that you can't. Well, I just, it's just not, not the best. Hold on. Let me, let me, uh, let me be more specific in my, I've been filing public information requests all week. Mm -hmm. I've learned to uh, become to be more specific in my questions, especially with Texas A&M yeah. University. Uh, I see some graphic images coming up on Breitbart, mm -hmm. Texas. Tell me a little bit about what's going on there. Well, <clears throat> you know, in a place like the U.S., when there's a murder or there's a crime, you obviously wouldn't publish graphic images of, of what's going on there uh, because people are reporting on it, and we have a system here that allows that, and people aren't going to get murdered for what they report for the most part. I mean, there's some one-offs, but it's not, you know, as much as U.S. journalists think that they're under attack right now, they, <laughs> in relation to what's going on in Mexico and in other places, and in fact, most places in the world, they're not under attack at all. They're just getting criticized, and there's a difference. Uh, even though it might feel that way. And uh, and then, of course, they feel like they're courageous because they stand up and write bad things about the president when really that's the trendy thing to do if you're a journalist because most of y'all are left of center people who are liberals, and that's just the facts. But anyways, that's off off, off of that tangent. Um, it wasn't really a tangent, but go ahead. But, so, so what we I mean, do I've heard is, you in tangents. That wasn't really as you know, we, we go into regions of Mexico that are under complete control of transnational criminal organizations that we call cartels, and um, where journalism isn't free, where they can't, um, journalists aren't free. They can't write what they want to write and write about crimes and write about dirty politicians and corruption or they get murdered for it. So what we do is we allow them to write those stories under pseudonyms, and um, we publish it in English and Spanish so the whole world can see what's going on there. So in that context, when, when graphic, horrible things happen, in order to properly depict and, and bring attention to the reality, uh, we do uh, publish those images oftentimes. Uh, we don't publish videos of people getting murdered because I've learned that there's a lot of sickos out there who, for, quite frankly, get off on it, and it's mm. pretty disturbing. So they call it snuff films or something, and so we, we, we might publish it intending to just show the reality of what's occurring, but there's a lot of sick people who appreciate that for a different reason so um like silence of the lambs kind of stuff or something <laughs> just picture that guy like you know anyways yeah uh in the mirror in that movie uh that's how i see some of these people but so we don't publish that stuff uh but we do try to show the reality and we've had a lot of successes lately you know i, th I think it's fair to say that in the process of reporting on these people and giving them a voice the best we can with our platform we've pretty much ventured into fighting for them and, um, and advocating for them. You know, like we, we want to see their stories told. We want to see them to have success and get their country not to be uh, a failed narco state, which it largely is, even though some regions of Mexico aren't. Uh, the majority of Mexico's, you know, at 31 states and federal districts uh, have some really significant problems with being under control of transnational criminal groups. Um, so we, we want to see them be successful. So in the process of that, you know, there's obviously most of the human trafficking being done in the U.S. is being done by those groups in Mexico, uh, by people who work with those groups or are subjugate to those groups. 
and and we try to expose them. And sometimes we, we expose them by writing about them, and sometimes we expose them when we get something that's we think is actionable. We, we try to share it with the appropriate law enforcement agency so something can be done about it. Um, that's pretty controversial, uh, but I don't really care if it's controversial because I care more about those little girls who are being trafficked and sex trafficked than I do what a bunch of people at Columbia School of Journalism think about my journalistic ethics. And um, so they can just go to hell, really, because I know, I know what these people are going through, and we're in a unique position to do something about it, and that's what we do. And uh, that happens oftentimes from my porch in Hockley County, uh, in my pajama pants or in my jeans or my sometimes even my boxer shorts. But not smoking. Not smoking, buddy. Still, days. still quit smoking. And it still haven't smoked and, and don't intend to. But I'm just saying that, you know, it's it's um it's kind of amazing what can be done, but when you get when you care about something and you try to fight for it and it just doesn't work and it just doesn't work and years later you start to see the fruit of that. And you know, I'm not trying to preach, but I do think I think it's a God thing, you know, you start to get the desires of your heart when you're when the desires of your heart are for other people. Not that all of them are, and I don't have an ego because I do, but but for the most part, you know, pretty pretty altruistic uh, effort on a lot of behalf of my entire team, I think, to to help these people, and um, and we're starting to see the rewards of that. You know, we're starting to see more and more relationships of people who care, who uh, have skill sets to do something about these problems. Uh, I'm gonna interrupt you there because we're going down to the coast now with Wes. Rappaport, Rappaport reports. Uh, hey, Wes, how are things going, buddy? Hey, Jay, everything is going pretty well. How are you? Pretty well. Like you're in the middle of a tropical storm. You're acting like you're at Six Flags. <laughs> well, the uh, the tropical storm has fizzled, but uh, that doesn't mean that it's not raining. What What's so the name of this tropical storm? What was it? Was I don't. I don't think it was actually a became a formal tropical storm. I think what the meteorologists, who I trust far more than my own judgment, is uh, I think they were calling it uh, like potentially a tropical disturbance, no. something to that effect. So, so I think that's it's like uh, that's like every other week in West Texas, that's but right. it's not tropical. Right, just, we just a, call a it flatland a disturbance. disturbance. The yeah. flatland disturbance, the disturbance in the forest. Yes. But you were expecting, like, what, six inches of rain or something like that? Yeah, well, they're different, uh, you know, between the coastal bends up here in the Corpus Christi area, kind of all the way down through the, the Rio Grande Valley and all the way down to Brownsville. They were kind of expecting um, anywhere between, you know, three to eight inches in some places. Okay, so um, let me be... Like master radio hosts for just a minute. We have Steve Verrett, Plains Cotton Growers. I know that you two know one another. Uh, so, how much rain are you expecting? Like, it doesn't sound. Are you talking to us outside on the cell phone? Like, I wanted some real weather action, weather channel action right now, where we could hardly hear. And you're like, Jay, I can hardly hear you. Like, I don't hear that. <laughs> We're in the car right now. Uh, you need to get out in the rain, Wes. Well, I've been out in the rain all day. I'm wearing my waders <laughs> in the car, if that helps you. Okay, but there is a lot of rain. There is a lot of rain, and, and Corpus Christi is taking a whole a lot of water right now, but Corpus Christi also 
tends to not flood as badly as some of the other areas. How, how far um, north is this rain going to move? I think Corpus Christi all the way through Houston. I mean, I know Houston's getting a pretty okay. decent soak so, up today. Are we going to get any rain up here? <laughs> That's a selfish question. <laughs> It's all about us. That's about my cows and what I'm spending on hay. Well, any show that I get to share with Steve Barrett is a good show. uh, (laughs) You're kind. No, I I don't know. I mean, I I, I think my focus, at least for the the last 24 hours and the next 24 hours, is down here on the the Gulf. I'm not sure how far north or west uh, this will head, but uh, Mm -hmm. I know that, that when the governor issued this disaster declaration, within the last 24 hours, um, it includes parts of central Texas. So, um, you know, there are some areas north of here that are uh, going to see at least some of the effects of what's going on in the Gulf. Steve Rett, let's go to you for just a moment. When do they start pulling cotton? Isn't it like within the next, right now? Or here? Within, You're talking no, about or in South, South Texas. Texas? Well, a big part of that cotton, especially from Corpus South, has already been harvested. Already? It hasn't all, it hasn't all been gin. Now, you get up into the upper coastal area in the Horton County up closer to Houston, there's still a good bit of cotton in the field, and that's where it's most vulnerable. And it's they've been getting a lot of rain there. As Wes mentioned, so there's there's a good bit of that crop that's still at risk. At risk right yeah. now. Steve, I'll tell you what, too. We were we were driving uh, to from Corpus to Kingsville, yeah. um, where we were checking in on uh, uh, Texas A and M Kingsville, which mm-hmm. was closed for the day. Um, and as we were driving, we saw a cotton field completely flooded. Um, the good news was it it looked like it had been harvested yes. at least for the most part. So. Um, there, I, from what it looks like, that that seems to be in line with, with your expertise there. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Like I said, they're still ginning cotton, but for the most part, the crop has been harvested, uh, really from you know Beeville, really back south, uh, all the way to the Rio Grande Valley. I think if I lived down there, I might grow rice. <laughs> they do up around Houston and Wharton yeah. County. Well, I'm glad that you could check in with Texas A&M, Wes, because that's a pretty sore subject with. A, a lot of people right now. I, you know, it's. Uh, I, I wasn't going to go there, but it's part of the story, Jay. Okay. Um, so you're not in danger. Nobody's in no. danger, but we're still going to see some flooding down there in that yeah, other I mean, side there, of Texas. There are some areas on this other side of Texas. Yeah, there there are some areas like Kingsville. Uh, you know, it does. From what we, from the neighbors we've talked to in this area, uh, and the folks here along the coast, uh, you know, they've said, "Look, there's places like Kingsville that take in the water. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Corpus, most of that water runs off to other places. Um, Kingsville, it, it kind of seems to settle. Um, of course, we're 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 down here in the context of uh, all of the folks." along the coast are surely not forgetting about Hurricane Harvey a year ago. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people whose homes are still under construction, who are still have tarps on their roofs, you know, who are still in the process of trying to get four walls and a ceiling back together and, and upright. Uh, and so, yes, we've, of course, there has been rain in the last year since Harvey, but with any kind of disturbance, whatever, however it's, it's determined out there in the Gulf, 
some of the people out here are on edge a little bit with Harvey in the back of their minds. And, and some folks, like a guy I talked to today, said, you know, it's my, my street's probably going to flood a little bit. I might not be able to get home tonight. I might have to figure out another option. But at least it's not the hurricane this yeah. time. So th- that's kind of the attitude, I think, overall of, of what – uh, the folks down here. Well, I think we're thankful, especially for like folks in Rockport and other places that have been hit, were hit really hard a year ago. Glad to hear that they're okay. Are you going to just camp out there for the next month? Do you expect more things to come in? You know, we might as well. Uh, we, we are uh, on standby overnight to see what happens with, with a lot of this rain. I mean, most of the rain, they kind of sent us out early to talk about preps and, you know, the state DPS is involved. they got their readiness is kind of uh, heightened. Uh, Parks and Wildlife is on that high alert. Um, everybody's kind of on standby. And so uh, now that the, that the rain is actually here, you know, 4, 5, 6, 7 o'clock, overnight, midnight, then we see what happens and, and we uh, go from there. How bad is um, the wind blowing the, right now? Not bad. We've seen some wind, but, you know. We're near it's the not Lubbock wind. It's like a no, Tuesday in Lubbock. Lubbock. It's not like a Tuesday in Lubbock, but uh, it's, it's enough to, to push some things around. Okay. Well, Wes, listen, I was going to play for you, and I decided to spare you. I found your college graduation speech at uh, <laughs> uh, YouTube. <laughs> Uh, Wes Rappaport and your uh, speech, and you can find it there. There in your green, uh, we didn't play it for go, you. Go Viking! But uh, appreciate you checking in. Next time, we want you waders, rain jacket, the whole giddy up outside on a cell phone that you're probably gonna have to file an insurance claim on. Can we get that assurance <laughs> from you next time? I will tweet a photo and tag this show in it. Of okay. What I look like as soon as I get out of the car. It really concerns me that they always want to send you to a death circle. Like <laughs> how dispensable are you the next star West? Is it that you do such a great job or is it that, well, let's send this guy. I'd like to think it's a little bit of both, but uh, yeah, we, you know, it's part of the gig is to, to go where the, where the trouble is, All right. whatever kind of trouble that that comes in, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, we 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 come here so that you don't have to, Jay. Okay, we appreciate you covering all sides of Texas. There, Wes Rappaport, you got a question you want to ask? Yeah, is is Wes is Wes the the, the nice man I spoke with one time from the weather service? No. Okay. That's another. He's he's a nice man. Uh, hey, nice but, man. But different, different guy. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, Wes Rappaport. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, it. Uh, stay safe. At least it's not a Tuesday in Lubbock. Wes Rappaport, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, gonna go to a quick break. Close out the program here. Uh, I know you got some things that you want to say there, Darby. Oh, about the weather, yeah. yeah. I just want to remind let's, people. Let's come or back yeah, we'll in. We'll come back in. That'll be it. your teaser. Let's do uh, it. Stick right with us here on the other side of Texas. Get in with uh, Brandon Darby's big notion here. Uh, about See you in a couple of minutes. Right back here.
Smith South Plains Ford, we're all about a better car buying experience. We understand that shopping for a car is a big deal, and that's why we believe in listening to what matters to you. Come see us in Leveland, where we have a wide selection of new Ford cars and trucks and an excellent sales staff. Love your car, love your dealership at Smith South Plains on Highway 114 in Leveland, Texas, or online at smithsouthplains.com. Love your car, love your dealership. Hey, welcome back in to your other side. Closing it up here. Another four or five minutes here. This segment brought to you by Lubbock File Room. Providing safe and secure document storage. And... No, I'm not reading that. Safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. No, 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 no. What did you not read? You can't do that. I I can't. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to get in trouble. What do you got? For a free and hassle-free estimate, call 806-744-7666. That's 806-744-7666. LubbockFileRoom.com. Took a, you know, we accumulate like 20 pounds of junk mail at a time. Uh, Mrs. Leeson, much more cautious than me, doesn't want to throw it away, puts it in the box, and I take it to the Lubbock file room. They give me a certificate of destruction, and and that's that. Brandon Darby, closing out. Uh, you had, well, raised a question. Speaking of safe and secure and talking to Wes, it reminded me, who is that nice man from the National Weather Service that I spoke with that time? Justin Weaver. Okay, let me tell you what he did for me. I got that storm app on my phone, right? And I had just moved out here. It's storm. Yeah, it's called storm. And it's a little... But you've not lived here before. Yeah, so it's a little... Hold on, hold on. For (laughs) listeners who know this well, you moved in, you're used to it raining... And nobody's lives being endangered, but in Lubbock, rain can oftentimes mean somebody might die. Uh, but so you were a little concerned, and you well, got the so the out. app it's a little it's a little too <laughs> a little too generous with their tornadic signature indicators, right? Yeah. So I went and got a storm shelter, and then every time I'd see that, I would like go and sleep underground with my child, you know. And it wasn't until I talked to that. Nice man from the Weaver, Weaver from Weaver, the yeah. from the Weather Service, and he was like, "Well, that's not really how it works. Like, here's all the factors," and he kind of laid it all out for me. And he goes, "If it was as simple as an app to predict a tornado, then uh, I wouldn't have had to go to school for X number of years, you know." And uh, once he talked to me, it just changed my life. Now it can rain in Lubbock, and and this app can tell me there's a tornado, and if the National Weather Service doesn't warn me about it or say it's possible. Yeah. I just go, well, it's going to rain, and that app is a little crazy. But before that, I spent, every time it did it, I, I went underground and spent the night on, in a storm sh- cellar. When I grew, <laughs> when I was growing up, uh, I had my, 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 it was a great aunt, great uncle. And to their credit, I mean, they, they actually got blew away in a tornado. Their house got picked up. They lived through it. But from that point on, when I was growing up, I felt like I lived in a storm shelter half my life. I mean, they a uh, cloud could blow up 20 miles away, and they were ready to go to the storm shelter. So, you know, that experience kind of taught them. Thankfully, we do have better weather forecasts now in that regard. We've got a little better idea of what's going on. Yeah, my rule now is if there's a watch, then maybe I'll go underground. But yeah. if, if 
A warning. No, a warning is like I'm already That's underground. Too late. I'm already underground. <laughs> but a watch, I'm going underground. You do you have know? a nice little. Uh, I got a nice little shelter. Nice out. little dugout. Yeah. That made our make our ancestors proud. Except for the lack of Comanches, pulling me out. You know. Yeah, I'm glad. Fighting that, them uh, off. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you that that really did. You know, people don't realize that, but when when others move here to this region, yeah. and begin to call it home. It takes us a little while <laughs> to get used to the weather. You're like, man, this is something else. You know, it's either dropping giant ice balls on your head or it's like hail or it's uh, it's pretty intense. You know? Well, that's a great thing. When I moved into Lubbock from the farm in 93, the thing I missed the most at that time was when a cloud was blowing up, you couldn't go outside and see it, you know, kind of because I'm sure out at your place, I can see everything. Yeah, I mean, and so you can see what's coming your way. I can yeah. see the lightning from a storm up in the yeah. when it's on the New Mexico line. Oh yeah. I can see like I see a storm off in the distance, and I'll look on it, and it'll be down way down there by like, um, I mean, it, I can see it for a hundred miles. You know, like Hobbs is probably in Hobbs. The Hobbs. You can just there. see for forever. Yeah. You know, and um, you can see that something's coming. You know, and it's really pretty. But there are times, like, because when I first moved here, I had a time with my daughter where I saw the rotation. It was pretty scary, right? I had a, a scary situation. People going to die. With a storm. Yeah. And I just felt so, I felt so powerless, you know? And I'm sitting there looking at my child who was scared, and I'm just like, you know, I, I have no power here. The second I own a place, I'm going to put in a, a storm cell. have a hole to go into. I am. And then I, I got a house. And, it's a nice and little And which, hole. by the way, I, uh, Jay's I, wife was my realtor. And she did a great job for me, Charity Leeson, folks. Sorry, Appreciate sorry, about that. I just, sorry, I plugged you, Charity. But I, but, but I have laid down on the bench in uh, your storm shelter, very right. nice shelter. Right, and 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 so I went ahead and got that storm shelter uh, as soon as I could. You know, like the meteorologist I want to hear from in Lubbock is uh, has studied the history and is an expert in Randall McKenzie to the Comanche point uh, that. This is a guy who knows where danger is, and this is the guy who's going to tell you when to go in the hole and when not to go in the <laughs> hole based upon his meteorological experience, but also his Comanche experience. That, so I'm going to the hole when he says to go into the hole. When it's time to go, it's time to go. Yeah. Uh, it is time to go. I'm going to get you Speaking two gentlemen. Rich. I'm like the king of segues today. Yeah, uh, <laughs> get you two guys out of here. Uh, this, uh, along with all of our broadcasts here on the program, Apple iTunes, you can go Stitcher, anywhere where you can download the podcast, just go uh, Google Podcast if you don't have a, an iPhone uh, and search Other Side of Texas, a top 20 podcast across the country in news and politics. Thank you all for making that happen. I have just, in a Friday news dump, it's too late for me to get into it. I'm getting responses on public information requests regarding, for you nerds out there, legislative appropriation requests and the term flat with regards to budgets at Texas Tech, plenty to, it looks like I have plenty to look through and study. Uh, Regent Gate, Rager Gate, lots of stuff coming up uh, as we close out this week on Other Side of Texas. Thank you for tuning in and telling friends that you hang out here and we'll keep hanging out so long as you want to. Thanks again from AM580, where Buddy Holly was raving on, for Steve Barrett, Brandon Darby. 